finished uh, showing you. Okay. Start recording? Yeah, let's start right now. skyrocketed from uh, the classic small garage effort, uh, then a brick, little small brick office building, and then eventually we were on the eighth floor of a high rise, and we went all the way to the top, uh, actually got recognized by some of the national media, and managed to uh, to fail. I thought you might find that useful. <laughs> all the way to the top, and then all the way back to the bottom? We went all, almost back to the bottom. We were able to... Are you talking about in the office building, or... Hey, move, that mix, too. move, mix, <laughs> Mike, move mix Mike closer to his, uh, his uh, yapper. So anyway, I am <laughs> So Ziad. who are we? Well, I'm I'm, Ziad. You're Ziad. I'm Dave. Who I'm are Mark you? I'm Thurman. And? I'm Mick Williams. Oh, great. And, and Greg... Greg. Okay, great. And we're broadcasting live Which from, episode? from Nutter Tower Nutter in the uh, <laughs> Nutter Building on the Nutter Peninsula. Of the, uh, and it's a Nutter Day. It's a Nutter <laughs> <laughs> okay. And by the way, uh, a question to see if people are, are young. Listening. Or, do you know what a VJ is? Yes. Yeah, video, uh, video, video disc jockey. jockey. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. you know what? You're younger than I am. I have no idea. <laughs> well, we're, we're all middle-aged men, we've been saying for a while. Okay. That's why we don't have pictures up on the website, because yeah. if, if they see the pictures, they'll discover something a little VJ different. Was, um, was when MTV came out, right? That's right. right. Yeah. Oh, that long ago? Okay. Yeah. Well, was it was in the, the late 80s. Yeah, okay. I think so. All right, moving right along. Okay, Video so this, jock. Okay, so if I haven't said it 16 times already, this is Podcast 16, right? That's good. Yeah, <coughs> we, made we made it. Okay, so so is, is Greg going to bring us a really great failure, or is this? I don't know. We have to find out. Okay, well, Greg, what, what, do, you what think? do you define as a great failure? Well, uh, I'm going to have you define it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Loved and, and money lost. So right. if you have, what, what was the company? Yeah. First of all, yeah. You don't have to identify by hey, name. Hey, wait a minute. A question no, for you. Of course. Can we find out what Greg's doing now, level setting, so he doesn't seem like a complete failure, but a failure in his past? So he's a reconstituted he's, failure. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's a reconstituted a failure. So recovered. You, yeah, and Mick was asking about this, but we didn't hear it. So, okay. What, tell us just what you're up to now before we get into the real fun stuff. Okay. So uh, I have currently have another startup. Uh, this startup is called Deep Look, uh, and it's. It's in the medical imaging software space, and what it specifically is focused on right now is, two, in, is enhancing visualization in 2D mammograms, specifically to solve the dense breast tissue problem. So what it does is it reveals the underlying morphology in a way that currently isn't available. But it's also gonna be uh, an adjunct, I think, for some of the AI applications that are coming on into radiology. I think what you, you'll see is that normal routine screening is going to be done by AI. And it's going to be uh, more of what they call value. Who do you volume. sue when you have AI? That's one of the really, like so. that is really <laughs> one, that's such a good question. That's one of the huge issues is are you going to sue the machine? I mean, right now there are radiologists who sit in windowless rooms and scan hundreds of mammograms a day and know that they're missing stuff and know that there's a potential. They don't even know they've been sued. Oh, and they won't necessarily uh, for one or two rounds of, of mammograms, which of course is being done annually. But so uh, 
I think we have a good a good product right now that solves a specific pain point, and then later on, I think as AI sorts itself out, because there's going to be winners and losers, uh, we're going to be just a simple application on the back end that helps the radiologist interpret what they see. So let's let's drill down on on the use of AI. We were involved at the uh, um, Connected Things Conference at MIT a couple of weeks ago, which is a Big hit, big hit, as, <laughs> as, as people in your dreams. Okay, we're it was done with it. It's not a sweet oh, I, you know, it's going to live on forever. <laughs> yeah. Mark, Mark's going to live on that. He's got to carry me for another King. 12 months. Mark ran that place. He was yes. like the, yeah. he was I was it. queen for a day. But, oh, um, did you go? You didn't go there, Greg. No, I didn't. It was actually good. Believe it or not, Mark was involved and it was good. And Ziad's going to get killed <laughs> for having his yet, machine so running. He, oh, so good. Mark was going to try to say something intelligent. So the setup is at the conference the notion of IoT and the terminology and all the related terms were all bandied about. It was a buzzword bingo. So I would say with respect to AI, how, how, is, this, how is the medical imaging app or uh, capability an AI-based thing? Are, are you running certain algorithms? Is, is it automated? Uh, algorithms are very important. Well, there was a if, you great put it on, if you put it on slide three in an investor deck, you get an extra two million in a higher valuation. Sorry, I don't know if you saw there, there was a New Yorker piece about the anxiety of radiologists related no. to AI. When was it? Oh, about two months ago. Oh, really? And the title of it was "The Algorithm Will See You Now." <laughs> I love it. And that's that's going to be the session title. I have a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good idea. Uh, we're we're, we're making things as we go. Yeah. Okay. Start typing up the blurb. We have a logo, by the way, for people to go see online. Yeah, oh, good, good. Go ahead, tell but, us. But Mark, the, uh, we're actually deliberately steering away from putting our, classifying our the current offering as, that we're doing as AI for three reasons. One is we want to get in the marketplace now, so right. we're not bringing in some of the more, for, more uh, important potentials for diagnostic. Okay. Uh, and instead, what we're doing is just taking the part we developed actually in a completely different space, uh, going back to intellectual property and right. trademarks and some other stuff. And it's a visual enhancement of the, of the, of the grayscale. Okay. The grayscale that's buried inside a mammogram. Now, AI, there's a whole bunch of really incredible people working uh, right here in Boston mm -hmm. on interpreting the digital analysis at a granularity level that's right. beyond the human eye. Now, the AI then produces a result, and they do it largely in probabilities. Okay. So they'll say, see this area here? There's a probability of cancer. So it'll, fla it'll flag something that you might not normally detect. So why is it's it... Something um, you perhaps can't see. Why okay. is it AI and not simply signal processing? Because if that's you talk about contrast enhancement, I mean, that's been around forever yeah. in a lot of machine vision tools to have been around for a long time to identify otherwise fairly subtle changes which might connect up and form some sort of malignancy. So, and that would just have been in the old days called signal processing or machine vision. And is it truly AI? Hey, we're something? not here to make this new company a failure, David. No, 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 but I think it's a very good company. No, but also you're asking. It sounds really good. This company will succeed. Yay, yay. But you're asking the wrong question because what I, I wasn't clear about is. Yeah, that's that's you consistent. See, Mick, I failed already. Isn't that good? Is, we, we, we extracted a failure from, from the success. <laughs> I'm not, we're not making a claim that what we do right now is not AI. It's just the imaging part. It's just visual yes. enhancement. Okay. So where does the AI happen? 
there are many different products on, that are coming. Last, at the radiology um, conference in, where everything's laid out in the trade show in McCormick in mm. Chicago, there were so many AI companies that this year's show in, uh, in the fall of 2018 will be an entire wing will be on AI. Wow. And there was mostly there was a lot of discussion about will AI re, um, replace, replace the, the radiologist. Yeah. And oh. there were a lot of you know workshops about that and themes and 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 the answer is no. Is I think the general consensus and in fact there's been a swing in surveys show that radiologists are beginning to embrace that AI can do some initial screening right. that is beyond the capability of a human being. We're not in that space. What we're already able to do right now in the marketplace is we're able to enhance what, for instance, the current CAD systems, which is computer-assisted diagnosis that is FDA-approved. Okay. There's a company right here in Boston that leads the charge on that, and all the major players, Siemens, Philips, they all have forms of CAD, uh, computer-assisted diagnosis. What that often does is we'll say, here's a mammogram, and in the mammogram, it will draw a circle, put an X, and put a dot, and say, this is an area of suspicion, right. and they might even give you a probability. What you can't see is beyond what the human eye can see, but today's medical monitors see much more than that. Okay. So all our software does is enhance that pixel gradation, and then we've put a whole bunch of algorithms that look at the way in which that radiation forms growth and morphology-like characteristics. But we let the radiologists make the decision, and it's simply an enhancement of what they can't visibly see themselves. Okay. So that's it's excellent. not an AI I didn't application. Mick got lost when you said Chicago. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's excellent. That sounds very exciting, by the way. But I'm here for the horror show. Oh no, no. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, wants to see the train wreck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, he likes the train wreck. But can you set us up for the train wreck? Which is I tell, can't. Us, tell us about the old business. Yeah. So yeah. this is so unrelated. Yeah, unrelated. Yeah, nothing to do. Yes, yeah, so your new business will be an uh, an astounding success. Thank you. Otherwise, yes. we'll be back here in five yeah. years. Because you're yeah. building on the failure. You've built yeah. on the failure, which then leads you to the success. And we're told that everyone who's <laughs> failure of the podcast succeeds at their next venture. That's what I'm hoping for. I, thought, I decided to do this figuring it's good karma. If you can yeah. Get. But by the way, it takes a lot of courage to talk about one's failure. Yeah. I mean, I haven't had any, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Except doing this podcast. Yeah, I just lost Except another listener. <laughs> we, we lost one more listener, yeah. and now we're down to the last nine. No, we, so we appreciate every yeah. guest who comes and talks about their failure. So, so just to set up the question, Ziad is going to be pushing for you to talk about the failure. Uh, Mark will have some professorial comments, and you can see he's lined up for I them with notes. his take, note taking. Well, he, Greg's taking notes. I'm a note taker. will have words of wisdom. No, no, I'm no, just no, but to... I, I like to start with the failure and work backwards. And I like David to know... likes to start from the beginning yeah. and, and work to the failure. Well, so like let's go Dave, the Dave's route today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I'm fine starting with the today and every day. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us what was when, what was the time frame, and what All was right. the company, what did it do? Okay. And, all, All right. those things. Okay, so time frame. It's early 2000s, and the much maybe I'll draw an analogy to the way in which AI is sort of a hot topic. Back then, it was e-commerce was a phrase that we take for granted now. E-commerce, and and it was also about um, B2C e-commerce, which was you know business to consumer and B2B. And um, just as way of further background, so I actually was a journalist for the, I, I started my first job here in Boston at Kubin Proctor and Hoare actually uh, as an intern, decided not to do that, ended up being a journalist for 10 years. Where? 
Um, uh, Times Picayune in New Orleans. Oh yeah, how was that? That was fantastic. It was wow. a great. Tw it was great for my twenties. Yeah, I learned a tremendous amount. In fact, some of which I'm, I think was helpful as an entrepreneur because you learn to ask lots of questions, mm -hmm. and, and you you get used to interviewing people. What was your beat? What did you cover? Well, like any reporter, you start off with. I started the first day. I was doing, and New Orleans had plenty of this murders and mayhem. Yeah, yeah. So I was doing. I was doing a There's five. There's I was doing five a.m. I was writing into a. a uh, I thought you started with a cat in the tree or something like that. They don't send you right out on a murder, do they? <laughs> yeah, uh, they did. This, there were five of us. We were all interns straight out. I had been the editor of my school paper. We were all, we were all straight out of college, and they threw us at crime. And so how they, was it? It's fantastic, and I covered lots of different things. I covered a murder or two a night because uh, New Orleans was just fantastic. Wow. In the nineties, <laughs> when was that? In the that's, 90s? Yeah, that'd be the nineties. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And and um, well, by the way, do you, when, what do you move up from that? Do you go to like the restaurant reviews, or what do you do next? Well, it's pertinent. I actually, what happened was I had grown up on the, I'd grown up on the ocean, and I'd grown up. I've had boats since I was a kid. I ran a bunch of little seafood like enterprises in high school to get through college. If, if you pound the table one more time, so, this oh, podcast. Will end. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Um, I will try to avoid that gesture. You know, I'd have the low cut filter on. I don't think you can hear it. As a matter of fact, I don't think you can hear Mark at all. <laughs> I always, always get a the good dead thing. mic, but anyway. <laughs> Keep they, going. They edit me out. There's stories and stories here. So, so as a reporter, uh, I started looking at Louisiana's seafood industry, which was under distress, and things like the oyster industry because of um, depletion of uh, the, the, this. The, the rivers uh, silting over and the oysters were dying. Then there was the TED uh, device, which was a turtle extruding device for yes. shrimp. And the shrimp industry was suffering. Is this a bubba gum shrimp? Uh, that, <laughs> you got me. You know, see, how's, see how's licking his lips. This is not a good sign. No, no, bubba gum shrimp is a, is a company in New Orleans that it's, oh, it's, yeah. but Tom Hanks found Forrest it. Gump. Well, no, he didn't. It came from that movie. I think somebody then appropriated. Gump, and actually, there's yeah. an actual store that sells shrimp called Bubba Gump Shrimp. Yeah, which they appropriated the name after the movie. Oh, so Greg has no idea what you're telling about. Okay, because he's no. not in fake newsland. Yeah. <laughs> so after 10 years of reporting, and which I did a lot on environment and seafood, just because I had well, the affinity to the ocean, uh, I moved back to Connecticut. My wife got into a graduate program at Yale, and we moved back to where we're both from in Connecticut. And I worked a little bit longer as a reporter, but I. Where now? Um, what sorry? paper? Where did you? Oh, work? that was the. I did uh, the Connecticut Law Tribune. Oh. Uh, ah. And I did a lobby talk column. Ah. Uh, and hey, look at it. it has more subscribers than we have here at the podcast. <laughs> Couldn't have fewer. Not many more. <laughs> Keep going. So, um, in, in any case, I what, when I finished that, I I ended up thinking about. Um, uh, what to do next, and I had kind of combined the, what I had learned with the seafood industry, and I was writing business plans in the summer to, because I had become a college professor teaching journalism. And um, I had two kids, and there were prep schools, and all kinds of expenses, so I was writing business plans during the summer. For yourself or for other No, people? for others, or, or consulting. And this was back in the day when people developed these 30 and 40 and 50 page business plans? Or at least five to ten, I was doing oh. five to ten, and You're I was just. You had the cliff notes. But you know what? I kept doing the, the the same thing. You go in, you interview the partners, and you realize they they all three of them have a different vision of where they're going, and you distill it down to a narrative. And so I, I started learning this, and then I was watching it as the, the whole market heated up, and the and the investment market heated up, and 
I'd write something and then I'd come back to the guys, oh, thanks so much, I got paid $3,000 and they just landed a million dollars in capital. And I started thinking, wait a minute, so maybe I should figure out what I'm doing here. So make a long story short in that regard, I went ahead and wrote a couple plans that didn't work. And then it, I, it dawned on me, in combination with my brother, who's part of my current, my current program, uh, current uh, business, what we decided to do was to take advantage of what I also had a great interest in, which was the sustainability of seafood. So we looked at how could we use this new e-commerce to effectively develop sustainable seafood. And we, I went to Tokyo, for example, and I looked at the Skiji Tokyo market. And I went there oh, with a- that's that famous sticky oh, market. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a extraordinary- With a big fish always lying out there and they- Tuna and sword from all around the world. Fish. You see yeah. things that just, you know, they look yeah. like sea monsters. Yeah. Occasionally they find species that had yet to be recorded right. come right. in there. That's where Mark came from. <laughs> Would, would also, they would um, know that if, they, if there was a picture up on the website, but there's not, so. <laughs> what you may not know from those photographs, though, is that they use a very interesting form of auction on how that, food, that, how that seafood very quickly gets sold, cut up into pieces, and then ultimately distributed sushi restaurants in Tokyo. Mm. Oh. And that was what I went there. I went there with a, a, a professor from Cornell University and, who spoke fluent um, Japanese, and he was writing a book on the market. And I thought... That dynamic, which is sort of, I'll translate as a kind of transparent exchange, mm -hmm. could work with seafood. And what that meant was that the suppliers and the end users are really the ones that have the greatest interest. And that's how it works in the Skiji market. You know the purchaser, and there's a quick chain of a supply chain, and you ultimately... You, not a blockchain. Yeah, you didn't have a blockchain. blockchain. Oh, okay. Not a blockchain. No, let's not talk about blockchain. But so, so I... I went and built a B2B exchange based on those principles, and it was called Fishnet. And I love that name. Uh, it, it, I don't get it. Is that a pun? It was a pun, of course. <laughs> and it worked really well. And at the time, puns, there were a lot of nets. There were a lot of there. puns, yes. Oh, if you look oh, back, at, nets, there were a lot of nets. There That's was right, Fishnet yeah. and Plastic like Net, and there were all these B2B exchanges. Like a triple entendre. And exactly. I also went and really worked with the suppliers. So let me just give you a real, taking real notes, example. By the way, Mark's taking listeners. notes, yes. Be worried, so, be worried, yes, Greg. Yeah. Be very worried. Yeah. He's so, going to hold you to something. Yeah. Okay. Has he been you, sworn in, by the way? Where's the transcript? It's true. I'm not going to mention Depot. the name that won't be mentioned, but I will mention his lawyer. Cohen? Cohen. Oh, okay. uh, Did he represent you also? You're David, come on. He's the fourth client. I would yeah, never he also and doesn't represent He wasn't David. my attorney, and I didn't pay him, except when I did pay him. Then Wait a minute. I didn't Who really pays pay attorneys him. anyway? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's why um, the name who won't be named used him so much. <laughs> okay, keep but going. Go Sorry. This is a serious keep discussion. Yep. Half serious. So here's how it worked. Yeah, yeah. Fishnet. Suppliers in Pacific Northwest that do king salmon. King salmon is a wild salmon. It's a fantastic large fish, but they would get a few dollars a pound under the traditional system. So one of the buzzwords at the time, you know, besides crossing the chasm and all of those issues. Oh, it, toys uh, in the attic. Uh, oh no, no um, crossing is Jeffrey Moore. Jeffrey Moore. Yeah, no, uh, not toys in the attic. Something in the attic. That toys in the attic is uh, Aerosmith. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yes. Was. Um, 
disintermediation. Yes. And if we remember that big term, that what that meant was cut the middle guys out. Right. In other words, get the supply chain more collapsed by using yeah. the exchange. And so Is that what Fishnet did? That's what we did. So Ooh. so the individual suppliers Sounds fishy. We'd go work with them directly. Uh, we would develop packaging. We would create a net to gross ratio in the packaging with gel packs and we would then put the fish directly in there. So they would harvest less fish, much fresher fish, and then deliver it directly to white tablecloth restaurants via FedEx. Oof. And in you were a man before your time. Go. What could possibly go wrong? Half, half frozen. <laughs> Not uh, frozen. No. Not old. frozen, just chilled, or there's a term for transporting no, fish. No, they left them warm. Nope, no, they were they were Stinky. refrigerated, but no, there was <laughs> they were, that's they were developing their own sushi by letting it ferment on the boat. No, it, no that's the whole point. The in the in the other in the other um, systems, they'll go out and fish 15 days, and yeah. the fish on the bottom is cat food, and then they work their way up. What we were doing is what's called day boat fishing. They would go out in small boats with albatross preventers, so they wouldn't have any bycatch, and then they would catch only a small amount of fish, but they'd be getting six, eight dollars a pound instead of 95 cents a pound to the original distributor that went through six or seven channels before it ended up here in- So I thought you were software, so you had boats and- This is fish as a service, F-O-S. No, fast. No, but what did you have? What were you? Did you have boats? Did you have? Yeah, well, my letters aren't so good. Uh, uh, <laughs> it was the well, his jokes are not funny. So, <laughs> so did you have like, boats, myself. or is it an, an online market? It was an online market. Okay, so the boats that you're mentioning, the fishermen had these boats, and then they would online say, "Okay, I have, a, I have ten salmon's coming on the boat. Put them on your website. Someone would buy them, and then and then connect the two. Exactly. Perfect. Exactly. What and could possibly go wrong with that system? I don't know. <laughs> We're going to learn. <laughs> um, but let me fill in a few dots first, so that, that then you'll see how it how it unravels. So um, uh, you just did a very good job. So the fish the, the fishermen go on in the morning and say, "I have four, and I have, I have fifteen hundred pounds of uh, uh, day boat caught king salmon." Our table tents and stuff. We started working on the other side. The pull, push pull of the marketing was dock to door in twenty four. And so you had this fairly coherent system where the, they'd go on in the morning and they would post. But it wasn't economical to ship 70 pounds of fish unless you got a really good rate from FedEx. So I went to FedEx and I got an aggregated national rate. So what happened was everything that shipped under our, our tracking number, no matter where it came from or where it was going, was under one volume discount rate and the and we grew so fast that the volumes got up incredibly How many high. of them how many of you were there at this point Three of us in the beginning and we eventually as you're going to hear we got to 60 but three of us in the beginning were still building fish nets Was this way. funded at this point Self-funded initially then uh, friends and family and then my first investment still fish net was 1 million dollars by the local utility company which was sort of interesting how that came about but they know sorry in which town that was this uh, all that was in new haven connecticut yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. but you were this was a national business being run out of little old new haven connecticut yeah and uh, in fact we became international at the very end we were shipping stuff in from europe as well oh so uh, but i'm not there at the end so of the part. alaska salmon or the northwest salmon is just an example it has it could be caught in in, in Peru, in Massachusetts, or so, the one so that's your your eBay for fish 
where because to me eBay is you're matching buyers and sellers where people bidding make, or Uber Uber is you know matching buyers and sellers for driving and and being a passenger you know pre Uber pre pre eBay so yeah so actually go back to that time frame this is the early two thousands were you like a trendsetter and was Whole Foods supporting you or were you before their clean fish movement and whatever that was. There were there was some early movements around what's called MSC, you know, Marine Stewardship Council yeah. labeling, but Whole Foods hadn't even signed on to that yet. We actually had Whole Foods as a client. We shipped directly to Whole Foods at different points, uh, and all of that really gained momentum over this same period that we were growing. And it was all part of sustainability and trying to take the pressure off the fishery. Remember the basic economics here. If a fish boat goes out and catches 40,000 pounds but sells it for 95 cents a pound versus fishes and gets 5,000 pounds at seven or eight dollars a pound, two things have happened. One is they're doing just as well and number and less fuel cost and all that and, and you're taking less out of the ocean. What about the poor kitties though because there's no fish now in the kitty food? You've essentially gotten rid of the secondary markets of, well not, not really secondary markets. That's not, but that's not their, their vertical. Their vertical wasn't to go get you know, uh, lower quality fish for uh, oh, for cats. Yeah. It sounds like it was so. So selling selling so the like fish he, on the bottom. He segmented his market. Said, "I want to match buyers and sellers of this ilk with this product," and he was building an efficient supply right, chain. That's right, Mark. And it's also tied to remember. There's an overall which is not driven solely by profit. But my goal was to be part of a you know a group of people who are working on mm -hmm. sustainability issues, and if the king salmon were allowed to just get pounded, and in fact that's not what was happening by the way, federal regulators were more and more creating quota systems as they've done successfully with scallops here on the New England coast. And as a result there's less and less fish as well. So how do you manage that market? You manage it by making the value of the product more, for, more of the value captured by the actual fisher and, and less Makes in sense. the supply chain. So did you have a social responsibility in your in your business plan, in your overall Sounds model? Like I, yeah, we did. And th the way you just said it, the, those terms weren't bannered around quite like that then, uh, but it was more also, it tied with another development, which was the original, which was the uh, food trend development. So on the white tablecloth side, it was, a uh, you know, we had people like the Rick Bayless in Chicago, for example. And so they would say, I want to be able to say on Friday, I'm going to do wild king salmon, and I'm going to do it with fish that is guaranteed to be 24 hours old. What about the lying fishing boat, Captain? Yeah, that's a, well, well, that's a dying boat. species. Well, they, they, they become president. <laughs> I don't oh, that's two. <laughs> Objection, Your Honor. I mean, pounding <laughs> on the table. <laughs> same day caught means something to some people, means different things to other people. Correct. How could you police could... and say that fish is three days old? That's not... Oh, Mick, that's a really good question. That was one of our value propositions because we went, I was on the FedEx thing for a second. Let me, let me answer that. That's a really important value proposition we used to sell. We were source verified. So uh, remember I mentioned when I was in Skiji Market, it's a transparent delivery system. You know where the fish came from and the wholesaler distributor to the actual delivery. Same thing we wanted to achieve. Well, there. that was an honor system though, wasn't it? There is an honor system and there's elders who sit up above and every so often when they feel that the market is no longer honorable, they shuffle the deck and move everyone's booths and, and restructure everything. And I found that fascinating. Yeah, so long, how did you do that here? I didn't do that. Uh, we didn't do that part. We didn't have an elders group. But what we did do, um, and MSC in that movement was sort of acting like that. But what we did do is just try 
try to make it, with the disintermediation was not anonymous. So remember when you asked me, in the morning they post, I got a thousand pounds of fish. But this fish is caught by Mary and her husband John, who do all the right things. And it's day boat fish, and then it's sent directly via FedEx to the restaurant, White Tablecloth Restaurant. And when it was done, there's a chain. Because if you've looked at a FedEx delivery, there's a bunch of, it's called URSA codes. There's a bunch of codes, so our website tracked and knew where the fish was at all times. It's time. a blockchain. Blockchain. No, it's there was not a fish blockchain. chain. That's how blockchain works. No, it's chain. not how blockchain yeah. works. Hey, so wait a minute. So <laughs> these, <laughs> these fisher men and women, um, were they used to sending their product to anywhere via FedEx, or were they used to sort of bringing it to the local dock and hoping somebody would pick it up? Right. And if they weren't used to it, how did you get them to do that extra step, and who handled that? We did. We had a whole thing oh called supplier relations department. And I literally, All three of you? I would literally go, and it, well, initially, we built up at that point, we probably had a dozen people, and I would go visit well, these. How many port cities are there you were working out of? We, we were very strategic. We didn't try, in other words, we stayed with a certain number of products with the highest value per pound because that also helped uh, cover the cost of the freight. And then we went and those that had a special, like for instance, tilapia is a yeah. farm-raised fish that costs 60 cents a pound. Yeah. We're not going to move it on. Chilean sea bass, on the other hand. Or, and, and, and What's let's the real name of Chilean sea bass? Oh, I don't know. Uh, Paco a, Paco or something. It's a toothfish. Yeah, yeah. Some, oh. some tooth. It's a, toothfish. It's a very Patagonian, Patagonian toothfish. Right. How is it, by the way? It's, it's not, a fabulous it's, fish, but it's, it's also under out. stress. It's under tremendous oh, really? stress. Yeah. It looks yeah. like, eat it. Looks yeah. like a sturgeon. all the time. Oh. Looks kind of like a sturgeon. No, but like, you don't like say a that sturgeon, much. isn't that a but song can by we, So can we go back to the business model and <laughs> yeah, the business yeah. story? This yeah. is what I'm getting ready for our, our sushi Thank podcast. Different spelling. Yes. We're going to have a sushi and podcast. coming soon, a podcast from a sushi restaurant. A sushi restaurant, where there hopefully will be no failures. It's not a failure, it's just a sushi lunch. Greg's going nuts over yeah. there. So go ahead. So <laughs> remember, we, we had this he's act. To, we he had started his career looking at dead bodies, is what I've heard. And then he continued looking at dead fish. So this is, I don't know. If it's an upgrade or not. Yeah. <laughs> so, can I just interrupt for sure, a minute? Sure. Because I have this is a question that's always plagued me. That is, is that how do you tell if a fish is fresh by your nose? If it smells like a fish and it smells fishy, I, is that I know bad? The answer. Or is that good? This is not one of those. If it doesn't smell stories, fishy, it? it means it's fresh. No. Yeah. It's not true. Oh, so is it? Oh, so what's the answer? Well, no. I mean, I don't know. I'm asking the expert here. Yeah. Come on, Greg. Um. Fish that gets old, gets film, smells, and I, I got to the point where you could you could smell a fish and and really in the Skiji market, before the auction stops starts, the buyers go around the auctioneers, not the auctioneers, the actual buyers, and they slice the tail of the tunas and they take the viscosity and they feel it, they smell it, and they'll know if that fish has been treated right, and that will drive the pricing. And they remember the number they're all numbered, and then when it happens, it's in a matter of minutes. Those Thousands of fish are distributed. So I can't tell with my nose. I've got to check the viscosity. With you can the, tell by your nose, too. It starts to smell. I mean, fish smells. And one of the so things is... you're saying is, if it doesn't smell, it's fresh? A really good, King salmon that would go dock the door in 24 would not smell. I'm telling mm. you, would not smell. Part of it is also... I rest my case, you're all Well, how about they fill the eyes? How about the eyes getting cloudy? Yeah, and the eyes getting that's cloudy. That's the other one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the you can see. Or behind clear. the gills. Oh, I hadn't looked there. Yeah. Mark... 
doesn't eat a lot of fish, so he's. I haven't. I've never eaten fish in my life. He's a the opposite of a vegetarian. No, I am a vegetarian. I oh, am. so you're a non-fish vegetarian. He's like a no, non-pesco ovo. Vegetarian. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. But does in the, between vegetarian and vegan. Is it true that the fish rots from the head? <laughs> it's true in business. I'm not sure about this. And, and in government also. In <laughs> government. Thank you. Yeah, okay, so go back to the business. So think about the drivers, right? You've got so you've got really good fish being delivered directly, and it's a marketing ploy for the restaurant. Because they'll say, look, this is we use we use fishnet, stock the door in 24. This fish was swimming in the Pacific Ocean just you know a day and a half ago, and now it's here. Not bothering run, anybody. And they no, no. <laughs> and they run and they run specials and advertise that. So go back to mixed question. Right. So one of the problems is wild salmon. If you go to Whole Foods right now, wild salmon drives a premium. You might pay $26 a pound for wild salmon, but you can get farm-raised salmon for $10 a pound. Right. And it's hard to tell if fish smells or not, if it's bad or not. But I'll tell you right now, it's extremely hard to tell a king salmon that was farm-raised versus a king salmon uh, that was they wild. They taste different, though. I, mean, I thought the color Absolutely. was different. The color. I like the taste of farm salmon better than no. regular salmon. Really? Really yeah. good wild salmon will knock your socks off. It's oh, really? fantastic. Yeah, I, I like wild salmon. I like that movie, Fish Gone Wild. Yeah. So, but if you're a restaurant... <laughs> fish and, called and, Wanda. <laughs> if you're a restaurant and you want to... Uh, promote that you're selling this wild king salmon, you want to make sure you're not buying. In fact, there were a whole bunch of sting operations at the fish wholesalers because they would sell, they would put two wild king in a box with 10 and then ship it to the restaurant. So the restaurant wouldn't know. And that uh, the New York uh, Attorney General research, you know, went and did investigations on all this. I hope there was so, jail time involved in that. I don't know, but what I do know is we were source verified because we had the FedEx logo uh, we had the FedEx um, on our uh, on our screen. So what happened is to go back to Zia's question, when they post in the morning, let's say they posted instead of getting two dollars a pound, they might post six dollars, seven dollars a pound. But that's not what the buyer saw. We had a bunch of algorithms that calculated two things. One was net to gross ratio on the box, right? Because you have 20 pounds or 30 or 50 or 60 pounds of fish, but you need gel packs, these frozen things, to keep them cold. So we developed the packaging systems and distributed them to the supplier. And they had a color code. So if what you had gel packs. So you send them, send them these boxes. Yeah. And there were distributors that we partnered with, and they actually helped develop the packaging. because sounds more like a nightmare of a boxes. business. So this Very is complicated. So you're a logistics player rather than a software player. There was a logistics component, but the software was doing... I'm, I'm trying to get to two points on the software. It's going to take you three hours. It's okay. Process. Sorry. <laughs> One thing it did was <laughs> it calculated the net to gross ratio based on the proven formulas we have with the boxes. Right. And it showed that plus our margin on the buy wow. side. Wow. So the buyer saw he was buying from David 50 pounds of king salmon and it was going to be shipped to Mark. Sounds but, fishy but, to but, me. But you, oh, what oh, you oh. saw was the price landed. Right. So right. you bid on landed price. Right. He bid Which on included supply. your margin. So and, I, I and knew your uplift with that was X. And the cost of the shipping. By the way, how okay. much did you, was this the days when you could take 30% off everything or was that didn't come into the iPhone? How much did you guys take off the top? Very little because what we did, what they made it up in volume. No, we well, that, that, <laughs> we're getting to some of the failure components. Uh, one, one aspect was the aggregated FedEx rates. So the more I shipped, the more my FedEx rate, I could get a lower and lower FedEx because I was getting the volume discount. Sure. 
And right. so we had a contract with them. And but did you pass that along? No, that's where our margin was. But, oh my but, God. And, and you see, and it was yep. for the... This sounds like Amazon and the U.S. Postal Service. Well, I, understand. I, I read that article with interest. Um, so, <laughs> so let's go back to the business model. So you, at that time, did you raise, he's, he's trying to you had your out. million. No, I want to know in parallel with all this, did you have your, your, your raised amount when you were doing this or not yet? How much? No, we, no at, that point, at that point, we moved into other office digs. We had, about, we had raised about... It's hard for me to remember exactly when those tranches Roughly, came in, but it was yeah. a, a million first, then it was 2.5, and uh, that included, we had a Japanese interest uh, that was following us from my time in Japan, and they came in at a million, uh, and then a VC from- Help us with the valuations at each yes. inflection yeah. point. Uh, the valuations were absurd. Uh, they, they, yeah, this they, was back they, in the day. You sound like you were a failure already with, with numbers so low that you should have been raising 10 times that back in the 2000s. I'm joking, but yeah, it seems uh, like money was just flowing like money water was, back Money then. was flowing, and that, and that but, but what we tried to stay in our lane, and we tried to do, this was what I'm going to talk about in a moment. I tried to stay in our lane, but then it started to grow, and it grew up pretty fast. So to answer your question, it was about 2.5 million raised at total. that point. Well, not no, not, uh, we went north of 10 million total. Ooh. And so, I'm sorry, what was the valuation that you were raising this on, going back to Mick's question? Um, I honestly, Mick, I can't remember. I would say at least... 20 million, 30 million, and the last like valuation at so te, you got to 20. Well, we had a down round. Did you actually ship yeah. any fish for all this, or were you just oh, we were shipping like crazy, and it was growing exponentially, and and it, and we were barely, but but we were still vertically focused in the beginning as fishnet, and it was we were able to control it because I intimately knew those suppliers. And so we got them disciplined enough. And we only had a small group of buyers, really, but there was a lot of volume. Were you making money? And we were, we were making money. A we, lot? But we weren't making a lot of money, but we didn't expect to make a lot of money. Pro forma didn't indicate a lot of money then, but we were You were trying to get eyeballs. Not just eyeballs. We Fish were trying eyeballs. to- Fish eyeballs. They were trying- they, Fish cheeks are really tasty. <laughs> you were, they are. <laughs> but, you, but you, so you- you, were uh, you raised a lot podcast, of money, right? which means you were burning a lot yeah, of money. Made the mistake of listening and, to you. And oh, uh, by the way, Mark had the first failure on our podcast. So yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was I was I was patient zero. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you raised a lot of money. Your cash well, burn was I mean, ten million. That's a lot. Oh, that's so, true. Yeah, north of ten with north high valuation. I mean, and so you had which a, is great. a high burn rate, right? Because you had a team of sixteen. Things were flowing, <clears throat> and my. The biggest question is when was this inflection point when things started to smelling go fishy down? Okay. Things, things. You, you know, like you're excited. You're a dreamer. Oh my God! Not a dreamer. He's like telling that. the story. Let him yeah, yeah, tell you the story. story. I need to know that inflection. Point. Okay, keep going. Yeah, this is like, like a journalism guy himself from NYU. <laughs> All right. We've, what we've done guy. too is by trying to get the cap straight, we, we jumped ahead a bit. So in terms of the narrative, we're still fishnet at about two million. But now things are gonna start to change in a second. The, and, and it's one of the identified uh, lessons I learned. Is from, from our podcast? From, from my experience. Oh, just, just say yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> the, um, we had now two VCs one on the East Ooh. Coast, one on the West Coast. Ooh. We had Sounds uh, ominous. Japanese interest, uh, big corporation interest. We had um, a, a utility because it had a bill pres presentation 
software it was using to to because we were factoring the payments. Oh, wow. So so we have all this stuff going on with and each of those had board seats, and the and I'm CEO and chairman. Could you have made this more founder. complex? Exactly. That's what were I'm you like. excited? Like, were you really happy thinking, "Wow, well, well, we're building an out. empire here"? He was waiting for or we're starting to stress out. Just about starting to stress out, and I'll tell you. And it's a great question. I'll tell Mark's you. Mark's never recovered from his failure podcast. No. And Greg lost all his hair then, and <laughs> stayed that way. I'm right behind him. No, because you know, in TV, there's this concept: jump the shark. And there's that. Is that when that could be a uh, TV series? Are you intentionally picking picking like a fish? No, analogy? no, no. Jump the shark fish is when a TV TV's. series sort of goes downhill because of one one do, episode. Do you know the origin of yeah, Jump no, the Shark? Uh, of course, I know. From? It's what Fonzie going to the beach and actually jumping on a shark and wrestling a shark. And that's what they call the jump the shark. It's from, that, it's from the show well, Happy Days. That. So that's the infection that. point where you go from I'm going to rule the world to. Uh oh, things are not. That I thought it was Michael Phelps swimming against that shark in the, uh, no, the no. simulated. <laughs> no. Oh no. Okay. Keep okay. Going. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead with the, the, the inflection there, point. There's a graphic I'm going to give you, Zia, that about the inflection point. It's this. I brought it here today. So the name is not Fishnet. The name is Freshnex. Oh. So what oh. happened is, in a series of board meetings, they Uh-oh. said this is working. And you added oh, this, a this intermediation. To it. This is working. Let's add tomatoes. We got to add. Everything fresh. No. And you oh, wanted to stick great. to your lane. Couldn't because you were influenced he by... He not only jumped the shark, he jumped the tomatoes oh, and the lettuce the and, and all the other groceries. But it makes okay, a certain So is that a pillowcase? What is that for? It's an apron oh. that you would oh. give, to, give to one of the white tablecloth restaurant oh. chefs. Oh, no. Uh, so I'm not going to ask the question. Better, Do you yeah, think yeah. you would, be, you would have been successfully if you had stuck with fish? Have them I'm not up. supposed They're to ask. Hold on, Mark. I'm sorry, Greg. Greg this is a very important okay. point. You want to we saw a picture of you with your fresh. <laughs> hey, <laughs> in, the, in the middle of the podcast, we're stopping to take pictures. Okay, Greg is officially our Greg is favorite our, guest. Uh, yes, he's our favorite guest because he's got his fresh. So that is great. But Good. while he's, okay, this while is while he's saying this, this okay, well, I haven't fantastic. gotten the whole story. Here. Wait, 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 wait. Let me just let me let me jump in. While he's saying this, I could see that making a certain amount of sense. We've developed a, a method and a system to supply chain from fresh to this. Yep. And I could see a board member going, why aren't you doing these five things? Bezos actually stole that from Greg. Oh, is that true? With no, you, so did you? No, because Bezos was Bezos This is important. Bezos was B to C. And I will tell you the contempt that we used to talk. When I'd sit after hours with people and we talk B to C, no one's going to ship an individual box to an individual home. It's all going to be commerce. It's all going <laughs> right. to be B to B. So wait a minute. So, uh, so but Cisco why, was sending, was here. delivering tomatoes to restaurants. Yeah. Why is B to B worse? I know. I thought it was supposed to be bigger margins in B to B than B to C. VCs don't like consumer. They like enterprise. Yeah. Place. Right. No. But I thought there were better margins there. You were B to B, so shouldn't you have done? I think the margins are much bigger in B to C. No, but they were pushing no, him to no. become no, B to C. Great. And so, by the way, a question, just a quick question. I don't Did think you he agreed agree or disagree with. Well, with no, you. but this is no, no. the Sierra fake news. You just say whatever you want to say and move forward. That's the no, but political it, I have a question. <laughs> So did you feel you were swimming upstream? <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> Check, please. 
Greg has heard every one of these yeah. multiple times okay. and is no. questioning his, his sanity for doing this goddamn show. No, no, no. Zia, no, but things began to stink. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you what, I would propose that we give him 60 seconds without interruption. Okay, sorry. Just, sorry. just as, a, as sorry. an exercise for the rest of us. Okay, sorry. Keep going, keep going. So VCs, two VCs, He's already violated one utility it. company, $10 million. Japanese trading company. Japanese trading company. Oh, 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 Keep going. Yeah, this is great. You can make this much more complex. Keep going. I'm yeah. trying to. <laughs> Actually, at this point, I was beginning to appreciate it was getting complex. And I, uh, I'll tell you, I, wow. I, a couple things occurred to me. A couple competitors were now in the space. And we were, at, we were in Chicago pitching at some kind of event. And we were in the back of the bus. And the guy was saying, how many slides you got? And I, got, I said, I got 10. And he's got 10. And I said, why are you asking me? He goes, because it's a million dollars a slide at this thing. That's what I hear. <laughs> It, it was just a goofy time. It, I mean, in terms of what people would invest. I can yeah. make a couple more slides up. So quickly. I thought, well, gee, I should have put an extra couple slides in. This is crazy. For the record, we didn't make it through one minute. <laughs> and uh, I won't oh, use the name of that, but this, there was a, a nationally recognized figure was jumped into the space. They had a lot of restaurant interest. Uh, and can they, you mouth his name so we can do like this? <laughs> can you write it on a piece of paper, put it in an envelope, and hand it to the judge? I, I, can, I can do this. I can do this. Oh, oh yeah. All right. Oh, Somebody who had some Me Too troubles. Exactly. <laughs> Talk about the fish he, he has the inside scoop. Right? So, Keep going. Uh, yeah. So, oh, this is too much. Yikes. So, it, there were two or three other little things that. I'm that, never getting a manicurist myself. <laughs> um, yeah. First mover advantage. They're first expensive. Mover. You were the first mover. Yeah, yeah but you've you got to capture the first mover advantage. You had it, though. And remember, I am like, you know, I've figured all this stuff out to this point, but now I, I'm getting increasingly less confident in where we're going, and I, I have to take that responsibility. I'm founder, CEO, and I'm thinking, and it, well, that makes sense. Like, like you said, Mark, okay, we could expand a little bit, but... How are we going to deal with the, you know, we had a trading pit now at about 35 seafood buyers in a trading pit, making sure all In, in Chicago? No, all of this is in, in a high-rise in New Haven. And so we've got a whole Pretty bunch similar of, to Chicago. <laughs> we've got all these people, and they're all domain experts in seafood. And now we're moving into these other food categories. Tomatoes, and we didn't go yeah. to tomatoes. No, we were doing uh, exotics again because there's a like, price. What are exotics? Truffles and... Uh, oh. uh, um, uh, Eventually, we got to the point where, at one point, well, I want to save that. We, the last, the last, but the, the pain inflection. We'll be waiting with, we are with bated breath. Yes. All right. Exactly. So, bated breath was that a pun? <laughs> first mover advantage needs to be capitalized. We now Tricky. have we now have a competitor. You've got to get out ahead of them. You got to lock up the chain restaurants now. I find myself going to these chain restaurants. We were going to do a fresh fish on Fridays at Friday's restaurant. Ooh. We were. It, you could just see all Tricky. these just building and building Thursdays. and building. But it's the dynamics of a white tablecloth restaurant versus a chain restaurant. I, I won't bore you with, but they are very different. The scale. It's a, scale yeah. is one thing. Scale. That another point. Another way they make yeah, a decision. Mark. Right. Scale. Wait. Good. So you're, you like you that? were diversifying yeah. not only in your products from fish to truffles. You're also diversifying in your type of customers yeah. from white 
class tables to uh, to to fast food because we began all over the place. Why didn't you go to consumer at this point? No, because we believed in the B2B, we were going to be the B2B exchange, the business-to-business exchange for perishable food products. Oh, you should have done which is, office supplies. Which That's is a where the fresh three and a half, from. you know, which is a... Billion dollar oh, income, yeah. It's $500 billion market or some huge wow. amount of consumable fresh I'm dying products. to see the hockey How stick much? you presented in these presentations with the hockey stick. Also. So it, it, it oh, could be pretty right. steep. How much equity do you, at that point did you have left? You as a <laughs> You founder? personally. Uh, I still had a lot. I probably but in the 30s. Really? Oh, oh so that's wow, good. Not that's bad good. at all. So you still had. That's just because the valuations were yeah, skyrocketing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And in the board, you uh, who was on the board by this point? We had a cast of thousands. No, there were but there were 12 on the board. Wow. Um, even number. There were 12, I think it was 12 on the board at that point. You shouldn't um, have even numbers. I think there was. Right. And then I was chairman and of the board and founder and CEO and. Um, and I really want to be clear about this too. I, I had my concerns and stuff, but and this is when you talk about seriously for a second on failure. I felt, wow, there's a really lot of smart people around this table who have a lot more experience than me. I'm, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing. Did you buy a yacht by this point? Or I didn't buy it. No, we, okay. there was no exit. We learned that one of the other podcasts. When you buy the yacht, you're in trouble. Yeah, well, That's I, when you jump the shark. I, I. I, I uh, could not buy a yacht, let me put it that way. I was just coming out of being a college professor, left a tenure track job, by the way, in the middle oh. of this. Because really? we were about oh. to do another round and the VC said, you know, I've been, I've, the whole first year I did it on sabbatical. And the moment of truth came and, and we did a round, I think it was $8 it million. Made you quit your job. Well, it was very simple, $8 million or tenure. Uh, and, so, and VCs are ruthless. You know, here's my attitude. I remain friendly with uh, some ones I still know. Uh, my biggest pebble in my shoe was the big institutional investor who is who is very big in the healthcare space, and I won't mention their name. I hope to someday do business with them. And he, that representative from that entity, was the hardest person on me, and yet I respect the most now. Well, actually, when this podcast is done, it will be the biggest pebble in your shoe. The, the podcast. The podcast. <laughs> no, no, this is a therapy. That this is where most guests are happy at the end because they unload their story. Okay, so huge board, 10 million, 30%, uh, a fish and fresh product marketplace. Yeah, but, but no office supplies. And... Uh, no, big no. office. Now, yeah. now we're doing other pro- beyond. You're doing yeah, yeah, you're doing everything. And doing all kinds of and by the way, how is business going at this stage? No, now we're up. Now we're now there's competition. Yeah, and, uh, and, and that that would take me back to my Chicago story. So we now we're toying with the idea of an IPO. Oh, we're oh, back in the day. Not an ICO though. <clears throat> oh, we're, not an ICO. That'd be more. I am rarely in the office because I'm out. Hey, it could be an IFO. Mark and IFO, an initial fish offering. It's like a UFO. (laughs) Keep going. I, I did. I took the red eye back from San Francisco after a pitch. Did you have an underwriter at this point or not? We had two lined up. um, Household names. Household names. Names that you would recognize. Um, They'd be embarrassed to be mentioned. Well, I think that would be a bad (laughs) idea. Um, So you still believed in it, like psychologically. You came on that flight. You're like, he's he's taking red eyes. Top of the world. This is this train was moving. This train was moving us right. Uh, it was moving real faster and there faster. Were no and it was and it, a boat. and it was oh, it was a much bigger moving. train than I had originally. I had a little 
engine that could, and then there was suddenly a super chain. Right. So it's moving fast. This was uh, Kim Jong Un's uh, steel <laughs> yeah, line yeah, train. train. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I took the red eye back, landed in New York. My cell phone rang. I had to go back and make a pitch uh, in San Francisco, and this there was this airline that we were all using had old 747s you could sleep up on the top because they took the seats out and I walked back up and the stewardess said you just took I said I know and I just <laughs> laid down again and flew back and did another pitch oh back in and, the day and wow it, it, this was when it, I bought my Italian oh wait that's maker. first class no it's it, this is a there was coach. This is some kind of like airline with the old, you know, uh, 747s. There were no seats on the on that top. It was it was strange. It was I've an old. Not, it was an old struggling little. It's going back and forth. the only thing it did was fly to and from San Francisco to New oh, York. And the sleep. Okay. Um, anyway, that's here nor there. The point is, um, the, that's where the questions you're asking is. Yet I started thinking. Well, this is. I don't know where exactly, I'm not in control anymore right. of all the events that are happening and we're really pushing hard and there's a lot of good people who are working hard at it. And I went, uh, I ended up in Chicago and- at the, They pushed the you out of the plane? No, I just ended up in Chicago and I can't remember why, but I decided, I was in the hotel and I decided to go see one of our earliest customers. Oh, that's, and ooh, that's that'll be an eye opener. This is an, an entrepreneur yeah. your move. But but but, but we're going to hear a bad story. Well, it wasn't. Yeah. It was disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. The, no, no, I know. But that's yeah, what yeah. you like so to what do. Happened? Is talk to this is a great story. So I go and I go in to eat in the restaurant anonymously. Who is it, Rick Bayless? Uh, I'm not going to say that. I go and eat in the restaurant <laughs> but he's not anonymously. Denying it and our table tent uh, is still there. Yeah. Doctor Doran, 24. Um, and then after I've had a dinner and I order what I know would be what something we would deliver, I asked the waitstaff, because we had created waitstaff cards so you could say, you know, learn about the fish and explain it was sustainable. And she had absolutely no idea what, you know, I was selling, what mm -hmm. I was buying. So she had not been trained as a waitstaff. Did staff. you check in the restroom and see if there's a poster of you with darts in it? No, I didn't see that. Okay. That could have been there, but they wouldn't know what I looked like oh. at that point. <laughs> That's right. You're so you'd so for, they've so forgotten you. Yeah. It's, well, it's just a computer. Oh. It's just an exchange wow, at that story. point. And, Who do you uh, sue when they're just a computer? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, this is it. Hey, we should talk about this, I think. So um, I went in the back and talked to the to the waitstaff, I mean, to the, to the chef and stuff. And as soon as I introduced myself, of course, I'd been on the phone a million times. He actually met him once. And, we were talking, and, and then I said, where's the little computer that we did with, you know, we had these computers with FedEx, because, you know, I mean, remember what we were, how far we got with FedEx, it was remarkable. We would know the load coming out of Seattle, and we would redistribute that load, and I don't know if you've ever been to Memphis, but it's fantastic. You go there, two million plus packages sorted in a few hours to all these different planes. But we had algorithms that were tracking our packages, and we'd say, our packages are not going to make the, uh, the, the plane for Boston. They're not going to make it. So then all the people on the, on the network that had bought there, they were told that your, your fresh fish won't arrive till Saturday, so change your special, change your menu, because you're not going to have fresh fish on wow. Friday. And then while we did that, we then put refrigerated reefers, their tractor trailers, with yeah. we put two of them in Memphis. Unbelievable. And we would take them out, and then I went and worked nights at nights in Memphis with the guys that work the over what happens is there's a belt going 20 miles an hour and if it misses it goes into overgoods which is this enormous two-story net and we had put special uh, stickers on the boxes they were trained to recognize that's perishable fish take it put it in the reefer scan it and our computer would say but it was going into a net 
they, they had the a fish hook. was going into the net. That's true. It was still fish. Oh, yeah, it came into the started uh, with so, a net. And so we worked out all those systems, but when <laughs> it went we went the fish net. So here's here's the, here's the pain net inflection cube. point. So when when we took it out of that narrow lane of the of a limited number of fresh seafood products and started expanding it, our supplier networks started to be less. It, it was an intensive business where you had to stay in touch with your suppliers yes. and your end users. And the more you made it a commoditized exchange, the more you lost that ability. The intimacy of both ends. And the quality I, and, yeah. Well, would that have happened even if you had stayed in the exact same, say, salmon, you know, Alaskan salmon, even if you had stayed in that, if you had grown as large as you had, you would have had competitors. It wouldn't that have happened anyway? In other words, this is a Wait, result of Wait, but we haven't growth. reached this failure to go back and oh, lessons learned. Well, I'm guessing this does not yeah, end so well. He's, he's this does not end well. You're you're seeing the chef. Yeah, and he. And and what did he say? I'm sorry, what yeah, did he what say? Did you Who are you? No, no, but he, he wasn't. At that time, FedEx did this too. They were putting giving you little computers. Remember, if, right. like today, this would work so easy. You just do it right off of an iPad. Right. But at the time, they, a lot of these a lot of these terminal. chefs didn't even have internet connectivity. So we'd have to like arrange for internet connectivity. Or, but we always rationalized it. Early adopters, we're, right. we're on this side of the chasm. We're going to cross the chasm, but not yet. We're building our our champions. Okay, the so they could have actually forward. acquired your company, and they could have had a printer they sell to yeah. them as well. Well, a good chef always has a sauce to put on old fish, and then they do a special. He, he threw that sauce. And they call it the special. Yeah, so, so we keep, keep going. So you go to the chef. Yeah, yeah, and he doesn't he's, recognize you. It's, but he's got another. He's already got the sauce. But he has working. another computer. He has another computer from your competitor. Yeah. Oh. oh. What was the name of the competitor? Not quite as oh. fresh. Or a little no. fresher net. It was something purchase. Um, oh. But in any case, oh. um, this is great. So. I realized that we're not only competing, and they're they're also have raised. I, I mean, I read in the trades, you know, oh, they had raised so much money, and so they were given free a free computer if you would switch from us. To, so now we've got a headwind on top Ooh, of yeah. all the other stuff. So were you feeling happy about this or quite concerned? So did you go well, back to your? Did he learned? Yeah. So what happened? What you do? What you do? You gotta give right. away a computer. That's yeah, that's, that that may be the thing. You went back to the hotel and it's like. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what did you do? What did you do? I, f I flew back, and I remember this distinctly. I got off the eighth floor elevator, went into our, uh, I got in the morning there, uh, about 11 o'clock. The supplies, in the morning, all the trades are coming in on the supply side. We don't open the gate for the purchasing until 2. And we reconcile and make sure that the supplies make sense. And we had algorithms like, don't, this guy says he's got 1,500-pound fish, but he only has the equivalent of, uh, to, to ship a a uh, thousand pounds because he's, he's low on box inventory. Mm. We were tracking inventories. So we oh. said, you can't post 1,500 because you can't fulfill 1,500. Right. So there was all this analysis going on before the, it opened at two to the chefs. Now they're not buying for that night, they're buying for the following day. Yeah. And that's when they make their the weekend menu purchases and so on. And there was an ebb and flow to that. And we got very good at managing that within our lane. Mm. We really had that down. But now we had all these other things. Like and truffles. I, and, well, I walked in, because remember, there's suppliers who were in charge of seafood, and then all the other products were added on. And How big walked, was the company? How many people? Now there's there? about 60. That's a good question, because that's what I'm about to say. I walked in, and I saw the trading room, you know, and it now looked like something out of Wall Street. There were 65 cubicles. Wow. And there were... This was like the fish of Wall Street instead of the wolf of Wall yeah, Street. There were 10 wow. or 20 of the, of, the, of the people in cubicles, young guys in cubicles. I don't even know who they are. They were hired because, you know, HR had been taken away from me. They were, just get out and move. Ooh. This is so great. This, this is, is so 2000. An amazing story. Yeah. yeah. So, so Keep going. 
I wow. I called the management team and we sat down and I said, I'm, I, I really want to do a mid-course correction. I want to first really do an analysis of it so we can present. I don't want to go into the board. And they and said, say, who are you? You're no longer the CEO. No, I still was at that point. And, 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 the, and we had a good, loyal management team. And we really all believed in what we were doing. And we all, as soon as I opened my mouth, and said, I'm concerned about this, it was an avalanche. They all saw the same thing. We have too many products. We're going too fast. We, we just can't do it. Well, that, well, you were preaching to the choir. What did the investors say at this Well, we'll stage? get to that in a minute. So, so um, what we wanted to do is not just walk into a board meeting. Your job is not to walk in and, and complain. Your job is to come in with a, a new solution or something. So we, had to, we really tried to right. figure out what to do. We should sell fish. And, and we should we should start carrying back, and we should look at the everybody. Even Starbucks wanted to start selling movies and music and food, and then they yeah. scaled back to just coffee. Yeah, and then what's his face complained? The CEO complained. Yeah, he like he was, he was tired of not seeing good coffee. Yeah, and he would walk into but one look of his where that stores. Got it's gotten even worse since then, by the yeah. way. Well, whatever. They're discriminating now. Yeah, now they're right. <laughs> now they're just kicking innocent people so out of shut shoulders. down your Facebook account and don't drink Starbucks coffee. Yeah, there we go. No, they apologized today. Anyway, oh, that's good. So, um, oh, so you're going to present a solution to the board. But the problem is, and this is something that's actually in one of your podcasts that, that I actually heard about, you've got to match the capital you raised in order to get the return. If, the, if we scale back and our market is not the 1920 or $30 billion fresh market, but it's a $3 billion or $2 billion, you're going to get, and now you've got competitors, you look at your, at what are you going to capture? And so we've gone too far to turn around, even though there were a lot of Am I hearing down round again? That was when we had our down round. All right. The yep. question is, what, because we, the IPO still we, was getting a lot of prompt. We, had, we got listed in the top eight uh, interesting e-commerce plays in Forbes, I think. David, do our listeners know what a down round is? No, I was going to try to come up with something like they went to the bottom of the ocean or something like that. Oh. oh. A down round oh. is very unpleasant. Psychologically, uh, uh, a nightmare. Yeah, it was well, difficult. And, and It happens. And what happened was some people wanted to play and keep going, and some people didn't, so there was... Uh, I'm sorry, so what did you present to the board? We didn't get to that. Um, you were preparing for the we for the down round discussion. We did you cut any lines of product? Any? Did you say no more truffles? Anything like that? Could you tell them they needed losses that year? <laughs> <laughs> or you say we're re reevaluating? Okay. So at that moment, I'm the psychologist in the room. At that point, how did you feel? Oh, he loved How did it. I feel? He yeah. liked it, right? Oh, was, uh, yeah, it was great. Who <laughs> 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 would like that? Yeah. No, but did you feel that desperation, or you were still hanging in there? Because there's this point that he I was thinking to... about doing this podcast. He was thinking someday I'll do a movie or a no, podcast. No, but there's a point. I'll have my or a podcast. There's a point where you cannot turn back. Did you have that sense, or not yet? Where no, it's, I... uh, like Polaroid, they're going to the wall, and no one can do anything. You should have uh, gone for the IPO. Well, there was Pets.com oh. IPO went yes. out. And it, and it, it did okay, didn't it? Did not do that well. Oh. Hmm. Uh, it didn't meet expectations. The window started to close on the IPO. And so the truth is, is uh, whether I could have thought through something with our great management, and there were a couple of board members who were, like I said, the, one, the big institutional investor was very smart. Um, External factors started to weigh in. One was the competition, which was spending uh, a lot of money for customer acquisition, a right. lot of money per, per acquisition. And they were thankful to you for having um, opened the market for them. That's true. And the oh, other was suddenly the exit, 
doors were closing. Wow. And so the decision was made. Did you actually have an exit opportunity before this day? And you go, that's oh, a good geez, question. I just could have jumped in. Yeah, there. Times Picayune could have bought you. Because <laughs> at some point, you they all have to more. jump ship. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was, I'd say, that was I'd the say classic no, story man. about Pointcast. Remember the, uh, it was a screensaver software that everybody yes. had that was a yes. news scraper. Yes. Yeah. And they were offered some huge, I did too. Uh, they, had, they were offered some huge exit, kind of to mix question, $800 million exit, you know, on zero revenue. And they said, nah, we could do better. Well, then and then Instagram they were gone six months later. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So keep going. This is yeah, great. Sorry. So we, have, we haven't gotten to the board meeting yet. What happened? Because you won't let them talk. Well, well, well <laughs> we, never got, we never got to the showdown board meeting because a couple things happened. One was that, that down round, that the... Um, Couple different IPOs didn't perform well, which which meant the investment bankers weren't interested, and so it became very clear that we were in a management period where uh, it wasn't like I had to win an argument that we had to to scale back on growth and on a product mix. It became obvious that we had to cut costs. We did. I had to go through the horror of the HR layoff, and we hit the supply pool, and we obviously weren't. We still had a lot of fish moving, so we weren't going to fire the fish guys. So it, it wasn't like we had come up with a brilliant strategy. I, I, I would say, you know, it was de facto obvious at that point, let's reduce the supply chain, let's re, um, the supply mix, let's, let's pull back and stay back to the core competencies. But to answer your point in a way, the point, that inflection point, when you have that much capital rolled, has rolled forward, um, it's, gonna, it's hard now to look at the ROI. And the exit <coughs> would have been the ROI, but the exit doors were closing. Wow. So, so, so keep going. So oh, the decision was made, and, and, and I understand it. In fact, I want to make a comment on that. It starts to get to lessons learned. When you have that many diverse investors um, who are at the table, you know, we have one guy who's in charge through the utility company. It's, it's a subsidiary in charge of the financial settlement. They don't know fish. Then you've got a guy who's in the fish side. Then you have someone who's in the other. And then you've got institutional investor who's got reports to make, and then you have VCs who are used to risk and want to push, push, and it, none of them were wrong, and they were all brilliant people, and people I liked. There was no acrimony like that. There was no yelling on the board. Right. It was, these were good people. The problem was we were now in a position where there were no good answers. Right. There right. just weren't any good answers. And? And so what the decision was made to, to wind down the company. Oh. And, and so one day you went into a meeting and then someone said, okay, guys, what are the options? And then no options, we're going to shut down. Wow. That's right. They were told to you Fisher, the, Fisher you cut the meeting, bait. went home that day. <laughs> Fisher cut bait, no, they cut bait. We, uh, on the eighth floor, were you looking at the windows kind of covetous, covetously, thinking maybe <laughs> yeah, I might like take a, a little option. So oh, take awful. a dive. And then, and then you go home that wow. day because we ask our, every guest, like, what wow. happens? You turn off the light and just go home. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. How was well, your day, honey? Well, well, it was actually eight months between the time that oh. happened and because we did it as orderly. We didn't go. Oh. We didn't. Remember, we got, there was another factor we hadn't talked about. When we started taking on big institutional buyers, that created another problem that probably will occur to you the second I say certain words. When I was doing the white tablecloth restaurants, they were playing with credit cards. 
Now I'm factoring and I got receivables. And those guys love to stretch. But my buyers need to be paid pretty quickly. So that was another whole element that was, and we were talking with a big financer about factoring and all this stuff, but you had to have volume that made sense to do that. And so now you're retrenching. And and of course, when these, and we had just landed some big contracts. So we had, we had like $150,000, for example, was, was one outstanding receivable for a multi-unit, high-end, uh, a brand you'd recognize, in which we had been delivering fish for them for a good steady month and other things, but mostly fish because they knew the value proposition. But we have to collect money from them. Wow. And so what instead, what, what I did, I did a workout basically for eight months, and wow. uh, we did not go bankrupt, even though we had... Wow. Really? We did not go bankrupt. What's, what, are the, in, what is the typical... Do we kick him off the podcast now? He didn't what did the go typical bankrupt. vendor make on the dollar? No right one go, on. What did the typical vendor make on the dollar? The, the, credit, the creditor make on the dollar? About 63. Not bad. Oh, not that's bad. That's not the failure. There's no failure. There's no failure here. Yeah, yeah, my recollection is... Good. <laughs> <laughs> this is all good. That's not wow, bad at all. Wow, but that's how, how good you are as a, The investors got squat. Oh, yeah. Zippo. Goose egg. No. no. Yeah, but that's part of the name said. of the game. Yeah, they got to write off. No, but what, I, what we tried to do was not... Wow. Was to orderly yeah. wind down, and oh. and a lot of that... And um, you didn't lose any kneecaps in the process? No, but it was difficult. I had to go... It's extremely difficult to collect from certain big entities when you're no longer in business or, Ooh, or yeah. when they know you're not going to be in business long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very difficult. So wow. let's move but to I got through my it. favorite question. Along the way, were there points in time where you could have gone left oh, instead no. of going right and you think in retrospect things would have been different? So one meeting where someone said, Truffles, you, sh you could have said no. Yeah. And so the, uh, uh, well, there's these points in time. Because David always disagrees. Well, I'm already plotting my disagreement. Yeah. So go so, ahead. Um, this is so post-facto armchair analysis. What I'm going to ask you to do once you answer his question is come back and answer the question is, why did you make the decision you actually did make at the time? Because that to me would be more okay. insightful. Ha. Those okay. are both, are both, are both good questions. Um, well, yeah, this isn't that good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, wait. That day, that day I walked in, um, and I told you that the supply uh, pit, had, the supplier relations department pit had was people. bigger than I when I left by 20. Wow. I, I, I'd been pushed into this corner office in this high rise, and windows didn't open. And we had started off in a <laughs> tiny old factory brick. Did you building. notice the gas <laughs> smell? <laughs> and, and I um, moved my desk out into the middle of the supply room. I said, and, as a, and I thought, I'm going to jump. The man of the people. And the buck stops here. And we're going to yeah. try to get our arms around this. We're going to slow down a little. We're going to We're going to pull back our product. And that also didn't work. So that yeah. was a mistake. Uh, okay. That um, because at that point. I'm talking to someone who's a supplier of a specialty item that I don't know the way I know seafood. Yeah. And so it's very hard for me to be very helpful, actually. In fact, I'm more of an inhibitance to getting yeah. the things done. And in fact, I was eventually just asked to go back to my, yeah. to my office. So You're that was helping. an interesting lesson. And so I, I, I ended up thinking, in terms of your point, um, I could have done it earlier, but by the time I decided to, 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 reinst to, to sort of try to stay in our lane of competence and skill and experience, We'd already left it. So, okay, so, so, so let's change to the other This question. is just like the Bruins last night. A minute 24 left. They're two down. What the hell do you do? 
There's well, just not anything you can do at that point. Well, so I guess the question is, if you then dial back the clock to a point you made a decision that was a bad decision in retrospect, was it the decision to broaden the, um, the product line? Was that the, the one that killed you, and how would you have prevented that from happening? Because the audience, all 12 of them, I guess, by now, is going to want to know how do we prevent either a board from running ramshot over the business plan? What would you do differently? Yeah, but I, you characterized something in there that I think I don't agree with. The board, I did it. It's never happened. The management and, and we all we were all drinking that Kool-Aid. The board didn't, this was not, oh, I take you, so you bought into the you bought into Fresh Start or whatever it was called? Well, I'm trying to answer your question this yeah. way. With complete honesty, frankly, there were parts of me looking at it, going, "I don't know," you know. But there were, but the, you know, there's all these financial projections, and there's this momentum, and there's, and so the decision, I guess, would have been a stay in your lane, and it would have been great if I had the fortitude and the confidence to say that was the right thing to do when there were so many external factors that were driving valuations higher. We were being recognized. Uh, and who am I to say that even though we're being recognized as innovators and we have momentum behind us, that um, I sh we should pull back in our heels? How many, what's the likelihood you would have succeeded had you stayed in that one lane? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Um, the, the investors wanted, the, they didn't want a, a survivor entity for understandable reasons. So we had a period of, of uh, we had a period of a quiet period. Uh, I said I will work and try to honor the commitments to the suppliers. I don't mean I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm answering your question. Okay. I am answering that. And so then what we did is we rekindled those core supplier relationships. We went back to FedEx, got not as good a rate obviously because you know, we're starting again. But we had all the code for you know tracking the URSA codes. We had the, you know that we knew the stickers and how they worked, and we rebuilt that. Just three of us, the management team. And then I sold my interest out of that, and that company still runs to this day. But it's it's ah. it's morphed into shipping highly expensive perishable items that you can't lose. Oh, so the company is some form of it still exists. It's not it's not it's, so it's not, not a successor or anything. No, no. But we but did the, the, man, the management team the took the concept. Spawn company. And 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 what else happened to answer David's question another way is, there are any given night there are thousands of boxes moving around America with fresh fish in them with gel packs. Uh, and that was not the case when we started. Uh, a lot of what happened with the suppliers is the, buy, the, the, the end producers, the, what we call fishers, the fishermen, um, they kept those relationships. By t remember, it was a transparent auction. So they knew that, that Mick was buying from them. So after we disappeared, hey, Mick, we should keep this relationship going. They couldn't get the same aggregated rates that we were getting on FedEx, but, but also FedEx had seen that this was a great high volume business with high yield. Because a 70 pound box is a pretty good delivery box. Little boxes are more expensive because if you got to send the van a long way, right? So, so the business and the- They, they and don't the, let their drivers pick up more than 70 pounds, didn't they? That was the limit. That's yeah. why so you had the impact, you had the actual impact Yeah, on but the they're market. making no money. It's like you were an investor, and, yeah. And, uh, but did you, did you think about going the legacy. apron business? Because I like that apron. It's very nice. So let me, some, let me go back. some great uh, so is there collateral stuff. To what, so that era, this was the 2000s. Right. And as I recall, there were 
countless, at least mid, sort of mid-cap companies that we worked with were acquiring like crazy, and everybody was trying to diversify, and this is before they then jettisoned all the businesses they picked up. So I don't know whether anything that we saw in that era is relevant today or much is relevant, because you just don't seem to see that kind of uh, growth in that direction. But if you were to, if you had a um, young CEO in front of you now who was thinking of a, see that was that was the ad's noise. Um, if you had a young CEO in front of you now, what would you say about expansion versus non-expansion? Do you are you definitively against expanding product no. lines? We're in the we're all in the business of startups, and it's about return on investment, exit, and you have to expand. And you have to grow fast and big. And you have to grow fast. And and investors. Big. Oh, so this goes to my point. Failure That's is inevitable. What? Failure is inevitable. Well, I just uh, wonder if they, uh, yes. if they should have stayed I mean, a technology provider yeah. and not been actually facilitating the uh, movement of goods from you know source to to buyer. Because that, that that was sort of the Amazon model. I, I'm not books. Books was yeah. a, a so you want to basically to be vehicle. the Amazon for fresh stuff. And B2B, B2B. B2B. I think he wanted to be the, he should have been the software provider because they didn't have all this other crap. Yeah, and then if exactly. you wanted to do, uh, you know, freshly foraged, whatever, no problem. You can license our software. But in your story, compared to our other guests, there was no clear point where you went right instead of going left. There's no inflection point. You did everything right. No. Oh, oh, no, there was a right versus left, wasn't it? I thought, maybe I'm missing it. Isn't oh. it the point in which he expanded? He, he lost Yeah, he went value. for truffles instead of sticking with fish. Yeah. But he wanted to grow a big company. He but wanted his investors beyond, to make money. It, it so was beyond that horizontal it sort was, of It was fish natural versus, progression. Yeah, so it was beyond truffles versus fish, I, I think. I want to ask Mick this. So in your years of investing, have you seen this? And what are your thoughts? Hmm. Wow. Oh, he's on the spot now. Look he's at him. He's turning red. Oh, this is good. No, but you must have seen this somewhere. I, I, don't, I don't think I have uh, seen exactly that type of profile. Were you investing in the early 2000s when cr all this craziness was occurring? Yeah, but not in early stage companies. Not in early stage. Uh, <coughs> you were doing real estate yeah, back then. I was then. doing real estate. And real estate does not have any parallel to this. You know, oh, yeah. we'll yeah. do residential. Oh, now let's do retail. Oh, let's now do office space. Let's now do parking lots. I, yeah. I, I want to answer the, the the question about what you could have done. Jump. What it should have, could have. Yeah. yeah and I'm not that. saying. Clearly, I wasn't wise enough to figure out what to do. Um, in retrospect, which is always easier. Um, I kind of would harp back to, and I am a, a disciple of Jeffrey Moore's book on crossing the chasm, and I think we failed one of the basic tenets. Um, if you, it isn't. It isn't a, a, a yes or no about growth and, exp and, and expansion. It's about expanding when you can support the expansion. Yes, and that was your failure. And, and you expanded, yes. we expanded too soon, too quick, without looking at... Because did you, you know money. it. Because because you did you money. know it? Did you know it? No. no yes, no, you no, did. Because you have money. And when people no. have money, it feels good so to have $10 million dollars in the bank. How could you not have known it? Maybe, that's, maybe this is the critical point. You must have known when somebody said, let's start doing truffles and eggplants and all the other stuff. I had instincts that no, he no. never said eggplant. I've never heard <laughs> I've been that. thinking about that for a while. Eggplant, oh, eggplant and truffles, a good combination. It didn't feel good, but I'm not smart enough to say I knew with some definitiveness that could go walk into a board and say no. And what I didn't have in my arsenal then would have been understanding the dynamics of when you're crossing that chasm, as Moore says, you've got to find a beachhead. 
You can't right. you can't yep. go after the whole thing. Yep. And, and we had tornado. We had so much so much buzz yeah. in, in the early adopters <laughs> that right. we're like, oh, it'll just translate. Well, it's like the story of the frog. If you take a frog and throw the frog in a in a pot of boiled water, the frog will jump and run away. If you put the frog in a in a pot with regular water and then boil it slowly, it will cook and die. You know, I think PETA doesn't like people repeating that that's, story. Uh, oh, they don't? No. Okay. So we need to... Don't try this at home. We need to get to the end. Oh, yeah. And I'll, when I'll we have start recording them? my last we comment. We start recording this. Each one can make a last yeah. comment. Thank you. Great story. So I guess you first took the bait. Ah. Then you were <laughs> on the hook. <laughs> <laughs> and then you were a fish out of water, oh. and then you became sushi and with a side of wasabi. I think he was like the quivering mass of flesh you just, you just recently cut wasabi. from a live fish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think Ziad made that up. Ziad made that up. We don't have. We that. try to work wasabi into every one of our. Yeah, wasabi. Exactly. Well, hot sauce. Wasabi is hot. hot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Greg. Thank you. What a great, great, oh, no, great no. story. We have to tell him this was the best failure podcast this we did was today. The best. Today. 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 Thank you. And Okay. Bye-bye. Right. Thank Bye. you.